Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast. Um, my name is Craig. Joining me is my co-host, Vince Strato. And Happy New Year and Happy Holidays to everyone. How are you doing, Vince? I'm doing great, Craig. Do we have uh, Chad or uh, Scotty on with us today? Nope. Oh, boy. Well, well, another year, though. At least we're, 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 uh, we're hanging in there. So <laughs> we may not have been successful yet uh in saving christmas but maybe we can save the new year's yeah maybe so let's uh and uh, we started this off season brewers kind of needing some major roster reconstruction in our opinions i guess and knowing that they didn't have a whole lot of roster holes so to speak as far as like openings at positions um i still thought there'd be some roster movement and Although there have been, you know, the trade that uh, brought us in Jesse Winker um, and also our, our new starting catcher and uh, William Contreras, there really still has been a disappointing lack of roster movement. And uh, most notably, as of this podcast taping, we are the only major league baseball team that has not signed a major league free agent. And uh, we're now in the 2020 we're within hours of going into 2023 here, Vince. So uh, what is your uh, take on that? Well, not good. I I was kind of hoping we didn't have that distinction. It was really, really coming down uh, to the final hours here and we, we ended up losing it. So I, um, I think the my the Miami Marlins signed Gene Segura uh, several days ago as of this taping. And you know, Craig, if you would have told me going into the offseason that uh, the Miami Marlins were going to sign a free agent before the Milwaukee Brewers, um, I would not have believed it. So I I think that we had one of our interns put something like that up on our social media um, when Segura signed with Miami a day or two ago. And yeah, I I I see that. Um, I see a lot of moves that could have been made. One of our, one of our um, followers on Twitter asked, well, what, what free agents would you have wanted the brewer to sign? I, I looked at that and I, I listed like six or seven guys that I thought could have been reasonable fits in Milwaukee. And uh, I know a few we've talked about on our podcast before, Craig, guys like Will Myers and uh, um, you know, a few, few of the names that were, were, bigger that came off the board and were very expensive uh, weren't even on that list. These were all reasonable targets um, for Milwaukee or a, a team like Milwaukee to, to pick up. And I just don't understand. I know that we're trying to acquire more guys through trades and I get that. And I understand that that's a strategy of the front office, but you know, at least as far as I'm concerned, this team had so many holes that it would, it would have been a much easier fill for the brewers to take a flyer on a couple of guys in the free agent market wouldn't have been terribly costly. Um, and I think the Brewers would have benefited. So I, I don't understand this inactivity. And to me, it comes down to uh, something I've picked up on and talk, we've talked about a few times in our podcast here before, but it's just that this, that this front office seems to be so reactive in many cases instead of proactive. And by that, I mean, it seems like if they had, you know, kind of thought through some of the needs on the roster going into the offseason and said, okay, we're going to make it a priority to go get this guy and this guy and this guy, rather than waiting for, you know, some other team's front office to, you know, make a guy like Contreras available. Um, I, I just don't know 
why why it isn't being so reactive so i guess that's my question for larger discussion is what 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 is causing the brewers front office to not be proactive enough to go out and you know get the guys that we want to get and, and make a plan with it well yeah i mean you see where your last seasons your prior seasons um roster was lacking and obviously just to throw it out there but obviously i don't think our offense was up to snuff last year um and knowing like your highest paid franchise player, Kirsten Yelich is a shell of his former self. Um, right. Chris, Chris, Hera, who is your, really someone you counted on to be a middle order hitter has not lived up to his hype um, and is near borderline yeah. um, a bust at this point. Um, and even though you had some really nice stories from last year and, you know, Willie Thomas having a great year, Roddy Tellez solidifying himself as a middle lower hitter and, and all that. Um, in spite of all that, you still did not score enough runs. Your offense really suffered last year. So I just, I agree with you that you, going into off season as a GM, you have to ha- identify who are these guys that are going to be free agents um, or who are these yeah. guys on other teams that are, might be available for trade and to check in on that some that you want to, you know, make a play for, so to speak. And yeah. not only have one free agent target that you really, really want, then go after them. And if it doesn't work out because he doesn't want to come play for you or, or the, the money's not there, have a backup plan too. And then, you know, normally if you land a free agent you were shooting for, then I'm fine with this strategy of just waiting back and seeing where there's some bargains yeah. fill out the roster. But we're already at that stage. We've signed no one and looking at who's left. I, it's just, it's really depressing. It's really depressing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is Craig. And I, I, I guess a, a, a couple of things on that first, I don't want it to be I, my opinion, at least and I think yours as well to be viewed as just being, you know, anti-brewers front office. I mean, I certainly give the front office credit for the Contreras trade. I think that the, the Wong trade was a win for the Brewers. I think that, um, you know, I think that the Renfro trade, I don't know if I would have made that, but, you know, I, I think you can have that conversation and others would disagree with me and that's okay. Um, but I, I am very disheartened by their overall approach and by their lack of movement and, and, and again, being proactive. It just makes no sense to me that you would take a team that has a starting rotation with Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, uh, Eric Lauer and, and is solid from top to bottom for the first time in many, many years. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm not talking about um, the last few, but I'm saying like another generations of Brewers baseball, this has got to be the best pitching staff from top to bottom that the Brewers have ever managed to assemble at one time. And to me, at least to be a bat or two away from being one of the, you know, from being a true contender uh, or actually from being one of the best teams in the national league it's inexcusable that the Brewers are not taking advantage of this window, especially when you've got so much external money coming in to the franchise. So you can't, you can't simply state that we don't have the money because we're a small market team. Well, I'm sorry, but when you're getting $30 million from Disney as part of that deal, when you're getting the, the monies uh, from the Mets and the Padres and the Yankees and other teams through the luxury tax, when you're getting uh, money from the TV deal, when the fans have continued to come out, support the brewers time and time again over the past 10 years when you've got 
um, some seasons where ownership talked publicly about how they were purposely not spending money. Yeah, I'm thinking of seasons like 2013 or 14, so that they could actually put that towards when the team did get good again to to be a, a competitor. And instead of adding on to this core that we have, we're cutting payroll. It just it's mind boggling to me. I just don't understand. Um, and to to the other point that I was making before, uh, one of the quick lists our intern or Scotty's intern just sent it to me here. Uh, just a, a quick list, and you and I are going to disagree about some of the names, but that that we put out on social media as being guys that the Brewers should have at least talked with um, who were free agents this year. Gene Segura, Michael Conforto, Will Myers, Josh Bell, Jose Quintana, uh, Justin Turner, Brandon Drury, uh, uh, Michael Brantley, J.D. Martinez, Kevin Kiermeyer, Brad Boxberger, maybe Mitch Hanniger. I mean, there's a bunch of names that, again, we're not going to agree that all of them would have been good fits with Milwaukee, but these guys were – on the market and some of those conversations should at least have been being had. And you've heard nothing out of this front office all off season outside of the Contreras trade uh, besides cutting payroll. I just, I just don't get it. Yeah. I mean, back in the day when the ceilings ran the team, whatever, a lot of times there'd be like one big splash free agent signing that it felt like we'd sell, we, you know, we'd obviously be a bad team, but then we'd still even have like one, big splash free agent signing that we try to sell the season ticket holders. So we, um, you know, basically argued that we'd be competitive and we're so far from that. We have this pretty borderline contender team, in my opinion. Um, and we're not even doing that. And, and, and again, in their defense, I guess, you know, that strategy didn't really work when you signed like the Jeffrey Hammonds of the world or pretty much any free agent Bur- the Brewers signed during like that 20, 30 year period of time seemed to not really fully work out very well. So, <laughs> so you yeah, rated Ben McDonald for great memories for you. Yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, this strategy just seems so opposite of that. And the fact that we have this good team in place, we're willing to need to, to add one or two more really good pieces to possibly make a difference. And we're just not doing it. Um, and again, I get that you're not. You're, I, I understand that you're, they're gun shy about signing anyone to like a three to seven year contract. So again, they're probably waiting around for guys for one or two year deals. But they pass up on a lot of guys like that too. I mean, that just it's disconcerting to me. And even just to build like Segura, yeah, yeah, Segura, Segura got a, a two year deal. I thought it was a very reasonable deal. He's continued to hit very well since. Um, since he was a brewer. Uh, in fact, Craig, I remember being with you the day that we traded him to Arizona um, after Sabre Day at the Brat Stop a few years back. But um, I, I I look at a guy like Segura, and he's not he's not the guy who I wanted at the beginning of this offseason, certainly. But I do think that he is a guy that, for what he's getting paid, I probably would have just taken a flyer and thrown him into the mix. And we knew he's publicly stated how much he loved Milwaukee. I mean, I just it just makes no sense how we're not matching a team like Miami, a perennial, you know, fourth or fifth place team in acquiring somebody of that caliber. I just, I just don't understand what we're going to do for roster depth. Um, I think that our outfield is very young right now, which is fine, but to rely on that, if you're a contending team in a small little sliver of a window, if this was five years ago and we were just going to go young, I'd be really excited about guys like, you know, Garrett Mitchell or Joey Weimer or, you know, other, other prospects that are coming up to the Brewer system, Bryce Terrain, guys. And I'm, I am excited about these guys, but I don't think that, 
I don't think that you want to just throw them to the wolves if you're planning on being one of the premier teams in the National League. I think you, you know, kind of kind of bring them in in a more gradual fashion and surround them with some more veteran players who you you are using to supplement that core base of your team, which is a rotation. So to me, that is the that's the fatal flaw in our offseason plan. Yeah, and and we did bring in via trade, um, you know, Jesse Winker. Not huge on. In fact, I think we mentioned on a previous podcast, I'd be completely fine if the Brewers flipped him in another trade for a different player. He does. He can play the outfield, corner outfield, but really he's not good there and is more better suited as a DH, which is fine because we don't really have someone earmarked as our DH. I guess I would guess that our DH who played there most last year was Andrew McCutcheon, so I guess Winker is similar in that he's a veteran, except he's left-handed, so right-handed hitting, which helps the Brewers. And uh, right. But with that being said, I still feel that some of the guys left out there that I'd even be interested in signing unsigned are guys that would probably have to slot in at like a DH or, or at least platoon at first base, which I, again, I don't necessarily want to, you know, platoon rowdy now, but I mean, look at guys like Nelson Cruz, probably strictly DH. He's still out there. You've got yeah, you know, like Trey Mancini, another right-handed first base DH type. Again, uh, he could possibly platoon with Rowdy or get some DH platooning in with Winker. So he might be a possibility that I get kind of excited about, but not really. I mean, and it's just the rest, or even someone like Adam Duvall. I mean, he has some power, but he's like mid-30s, probably wouldn't cost too much. Um or, you know, are they entertaining bringing back McCutcheon again? I mean, he's near getting closer to 40 than 35 at this point, I think. Um, I don't – so, I mean yeah, – I don't know. I, I, I haven't really heard many, many rumors from McCutcheon at all, but, you know, I, I don't know that I even want McCutcheon back at this point. I mean, he was, he was okay-ish for us. He had some decent spurts last year. But, um, you know, obviously with him in the lineup, we, we only were – so offensively capable and um, he's not getting any younger as you pointed, pointed out. So I, I just don't know. I, I don't know how the Brewers expect to take that next step. I guess that's what I keep coming back to. I, I sort of look at this as, you know, pluses and minuses every off season. And we, we look at, you know, where the Brewers finished last year. We didn't win the division. We didn't make the playoffs and we've gotten worse offensively since the off season started. So like you don't, to me, it, I know, uh, Contreras is clearly an upgrade over Narvaez, obviously, but I do think that I do think that we're going to miss Renfro's power. I do think that I, I think that at best you could make an argument that the Brewers' offense is about as good as it was last year, maybe. You know, but we've lost Wong, we've lost Renfro, we've lost McCutcheon, and we've replaced them, and we've lost Narvaez, and we've replaced them with you know Contreras, Winker, and um, you know I, I just I, I just don't know if we've managed to acquire enough to overcome some of those losses so i i'm i'm pretty concerned about our offense to be totally yeah, I, I don't I, I know that i don't think we've improved we'll have overall, like you said from last year no, as of as of yet so yeah we'll and see. i the off season i know that you know when i when i raised some of these points a month ago everyone was saying oh the off season is early well the off season isn't early anymore i mean we're pitchers and catchers reporting like five and a half weeks so i just you know, we're past Christmas, we're almost in a new year. And before you know it, you're going to have some of the first spring training mini camps opening up guys 
start to show up in Arizona after the new year. And you know, I, I think that pitchers and catchers report something like February 9th this year, February 10th, somewhere in there. And, you know, we're talking, we're talking about five, five and a half weeks from now. So I know that the Brewers have done things later in the off season in past years. Um, it seems to be an MO. I understand that we didn't get Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain until later in the off season. That was, those were January editions. I know that um, in years past when the Brewers, you know, we're actually holding a fan fest, which by the way, is another topic that we should talk about that they canceled this year um, for no reason with no announcement. Um, they usually, they used to make a splash. It seemed like every, every time, like a couple of days before a fan fest, everybody got pumped. I, I think I'm thinking of Trevor Hoffman specifically, but um, I don't know that that's in the cards this year. I don't even know, as you were just kind of alluding to, I don't even know which free agents I'd be excited about. I mean, I guess I'd be kind of happy with Mancini at this point, but having seen him in Houston the last couple of months of the year here, I, you know, he, he struggled quite a bit and I don't think that's who he is as a player, but I don't know that we can count on like a few years ago, peak Mancini um, or 2021 Mancini. So I, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know what's going to happen yet, but obviously, but I do know that we can't go into the year expecting to be improved with the guys that we've currently picked up this offseason no, overall. And I expect there to be one free agent signing forthcoming at least of a vet. Well, first of all, I think that we will add someone to the bullpen uh, via free agency. And again, we're probably just waiting for those values to shake down. Uh, if I had to throw a guess for a bullpen ad, I'm just going to throw out there the name Matt Moore, a left-handed pit- pitcher um, who wow. used to be a starter and I think is a decent decent arm um that we could that we could possibly sign um but uh, and then for the if, if you look at our track record on the offensive side i'm willing to guess it'll be look at the last two season we we added really late veteran outfielders in andrew mccutcheon and jackie bradley jr and looking at this list if i had to guess someone it would be someone like Adam duvall or i'm just going to throw out there it'll be like someone like evan longoria Again, very similar to Andrew McCutcheon last year was a player that had some former glory, in fact, near MVP glory, um, but is up there in age and fairly washed up in a shell of his former self. That's not gonna that's not gonna get it done, in my opinion. Sorry, but it's just not. No, I agree. You're, you're, yeah, no, uh, Longoria, I think, had 14 bombs last year and 13 the year before. I mean, we're not talking about a guy who's a, obviously in his prime. It's, I think age 37 or 38 and, and some of you had spent a number of years since he was last an all-star. In fact, I, I just don't know what you would even hope that you're bringing in at that point outside of maybe a, a bat off the bench, you know, so to, to, to get a fan base excited about a guy like Evan Longoria, I think is, I hate to use this word, but I think it's kind of pathetic. I think that we saw some of that last year with McCutcheon to be totally frank, where, you know, it, it, it takes so little to get our fans excited about about the Brewers, which is an awesome quality to have as a fan base, but it is, it's pretty ridiculous when you look at how other franchises operate. I mean, I don't know many other fan bases in baseball that would tolerate this level of, you know, kind of placation from the front office and, and ineptitude and not doing anything. It's just, it's crazy that we're so close and we're not doing anything. I, I just keep coming back to that idea. It's, it's very, very frustrating and, it's another example of the organization just not taking that extra step that we would need to take. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to contribute to a larger 
more frustration for Brewers fans. I just I can't imagine how we make the the playoffs with this team as it's currently assembled. Outside of the fact that our pitching is our saving grace, and um, I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, and um, so I want to call out the Brewers just like you did on the cancellation of Fan Fest. Um, yeah, it's been a staple. It's been a staple on a very popular event here in Milwaukee for a very long time. And I believe that they have not held it since the pandemic. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Fact, 2020, they, they did it in January of that year, Craig. I did look it up. It was, it yeah, was held fact, and then COVID hit in March of that year. Yeah. And I, and I actually did attend that last one in 2020. And there were an unbelievable amount of people. I think I had to wait outside in line to even get in. And, and once you're inside, there were more lines and it was an unbelievably unpopular event in my opinion. In fact, I was at the point where like, I was like, this is almost getting too popular, but to completely cancel it seems, I would really like the explanation behind this. I, obviously you could use COVID and health protocols or whatever an excuse, but I mean, I think we should be beyond that. And it could just be, I really want, would like an explanation from Milwaukee Brewers on this one, really, because I mean, obviously the yeah. fan, I'm, I'm sure the players themselves are fine with it not having to come to Milwaukee in January and whatever. And we're probably even pushing to have it canceled or whatever, but like, I'm sorry, our, the fans pay your salaries, period. This is an event that should be happening. Um, and yeah. And, and they, yeah, totally, totally a hundred percent agree. And you know, it's, it's just one in a number of steps that they've taken and I'll go on the soapbox for 30 seconds that, that the Brewers organization has taken to become less fan friendly in an age when, we should be encouraging people to love baseball. It's, it's the same thing as, you know, kicking out autograph seekers from before the game by the parking lot and putting up nets to keep during batting practice, which not all other teams do, by the way, many teams take down the net during batting practice so that players and fans can interact and mingle more. The Brewers don't do that. And in fact, they've gotten more strict about um, allowing fans, even on the first level to go and ask for autographs in the first place and kicking that. And if they do allow them at all to kick them out earlier before the game starts and, and not allow any sort of access. So now they've cut out the autograph Fridays that used to be had. If you remember those, Craig, I know that you do because yeah. we were at some of them together. Yeah. Um, so there's literally like no opportunities outside of this event for Brewers fans and Brewers players to interact outside of some random appearance at some random school once in a while and that's it and i i just cannot imagine how you foster the love of baseball and the love of the game in the local in the local community with keeping fans and players further and further apart i just will never understand why a team would make that choice it makes absolutely no sense at all and i'm sorry but if the players can't you know figure out that it's good for them and good for the city and good for everybody for them to hop on a plane for one day to come up to Milwaukee in January. Well, I am sorry, but then you really don't deserve fans at that point. And I think that if I, if I was in charge, I would expand it. I would go back to what it used to be. They used to do a statewide tour. If you remember, and it lasted, this may have been a little bit before our time, but having heard about this from other people um, who, who were there, they used to do a one week tour around the state of Wisconsin to drum up support so the Brewers would have an event in Green Bay and an event in La Crosse and an event in Wausau and an event in Madison and then finish it with a weekend in Milwaukee, Brewers Fest, which included um, the players signing autographs. And it all ended with a bowling tournament that the players would host and you could pay extra money to go bowl with the Brewers. And 
that was fun. And the, the Brewers Fan Fest itself was free and autographs were free. Like they didn't even charge money at that point um, for stuff. And I understand that the tickets that they've charged in recent years goes to Brewers Charities. So I'm, I'm actually fine with that. But the fact is, is that they've got, they've just made it harder and harder and harder for fans to experience the team up close and personal. It's, it's just another example of a becoming you know, more corporate rather than more fan friendly. And it's, it's, it's very bothersome. This is supposed to be fun. Yeah. And throughout baseball, I mean, they've got this issue where they say, Oh, millennials don't like baseball because it's not fast paced enough or this, that. So we're going to have to start making changes to the game. That's been the same way for like a hundred years. Uh, when I, we have to start making cha- massive change, more than hundred years, massive changes in the way that the game's played, so that we can keep millennials locked in. How about actually trying to lock them in when they're still children? I mean, apparently the nation allows cigarette companies and or vaping companies to do such a thing. So, but somehow Major League Baseball cannot, you know, still cater toward children. I mean, you have to make access to players I, I mean if you if you have a six-year-old boy who gets a ball signed by a player or something like that he's going to be a baseball fan forever i'm sorry it's all part of the yeah, experience I, so yeah i i agree i i was that kid you know i mean it's it's kind of funny when you think back to how it used to be to today i mean it is so strict now you you there is like a there's like a tsa worse than tsa security checkpoint outside of miller park walking into games where you get patted down frisked told that your bag isn't clear enough to bring in because it's some shade of shopping bag that they don't allow i mean it it's wild the hoops that they make you jump through in order to support their product i've just never seen a business model that can survive by acting like this and i do business consulting every day i just don't know what it is that they think is going to end up happening 20 30 years from now i know that mlb isn't a great place financially but the, the draconian things that this organization is doing, the unfan-friendly things that this organization is doing, that making it a big pain in order to watch your product, both in person and on television, that the organization is currently doing, plus having an uninspiring product on the field because you don't bother to invest in it, are all things that this ownership group at some point is going to have to deal with. And it may not be this year and it may not be next, but at some point down the road, there is going to there they are going to have to answer to fans who are going to be questioning a lot of these decisions and why they've been made over the years. And I think the Brewers fan fest being canceled is another, is another of those decisions. And, you know, we started this, we started the brew crew review as a television show because we were inspired to bring a fan's perspective to the Brewers and, and that approach. We aren't, you know, despite them being our colleagues, we're not, we're not looking at this as journalists, you know, like Adam McKelvey or our former colleague, Tom Hodgecourt, we're, we're, you know, not paid by the team. We're not, we're, we don't do this for our, our living. It's just, we're fans of the team and it's really frustrating. And I, but I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking that this, that the fans perspective is needed now more than ever. Um, so that there's at least some voice out there that's, you know, giving the organization this feedback. I, I don't understand what, is going to be done, but I do know that some things are going to build up and over time, they're going to have a very detrimental effect unless some things are, are changed. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the type of thing that, the, uh, you know, baseball should be looking to market, like how to make this a family friendly and kid friendly game. Cause that's what, that's what it is. It's a game. And that's how you lock these people in. And, and baseball has been so good at doing that over the years. And they have been more 
fan friendly than like other sports like football and basketball. I mean, I've gone I, when sure. I was a kid. I went to a, a football game and I went to a basketball game. I never got anywhere near a player, uh, not even close. Uh, but when I go to baseball games, yep. I would I'd be able to go right up to the fence and interact with a player. And being a couple of feet from a player that you idolize and look up to and watch play on television or on the radio or whatever. Um, yeah, it, it was really it's awe inspiring and it really locks the kid in. It makes you a fan, and it, and to be able to walk away with a piece of memorabilia or or ex- have an experience like Fan Fest is something that you cannot just take away from kids and expect to still grow grow your sport. It's just idiotic to me. I I, I would really like an explanation from someone, and specifically from Milwaukee Brewers yeah. organization. I'm going to try to reach out and get one because it's it's yeah. ridiculous. It, it, I mean, I I feel like I'm going to get some type of cookie cutter answer that. Uh, you know yeah. that, that it's something to do with health or whatever and safety and all this stuff and i think it's bs i'm sorry that's what i'm going to say it, that time. yeah you, you can't you can't be talking up the health and safety aspect if you're going to build another big bar at miller park which already has like 20 bars inside the stadium and that's the investment this offseason so I, yeah it has nothing to do <laughs> nothing to do with health and safety and uh, i'm sure that you will get a corporate response we actually um asked the brewers on Twitter, on social media, and a number of our followers chimed in and asked also that, that because they said that they wanted to know, and nobody from the Brewers responded. Um, we've also tweeted at Adam McKelvey, who also didn't respond, uh, though he has responded to us about a number of other things over the years. So it's it's like nobody wants to be the ones to break the news. The Brewers have never even made an announcement that, that FanFest wasn't happening. They just basically haven't set the dates and don't say anything. So it's cowardly. I mean, it, it really is. They're, the fact that they're not giving an explanation or even addressing the fact that this has been a tradition up until COVID for for years, it's it's part of these these subtle changes that happened that the Brewers wanted to push and that you could kind of justify during COVID, I guess, you know, saying, okay, well, we don't want to have big gatherings, you know, but they've continued to do it even after a vaccine has been out for, you know, a year and a half. And when numbers have been good and all these, all these different things have changed, you know, since March of 2020 and they still continue to do these things. They even blamed, <laughs> this is my favorite. They even blamed not printing the media guide on COVID. <laughs> they said it had to be electronic. And I started laughing. I'm like, well, what do you like? I, anyways, it's just, it's mind boggling to me. Some of the things that have been blamed on COVID. Um, yeah. But yeah. So that's, which is another example on how this decision without being advertised or explained or anything that has, has going to have a ripple effect on them as an organization. Every, the last three years, I think three or four years, my kids, I, I signed both of them up to be in the, in the kids crew where that, you know, they get a pack yeah. of items and some free ticket vouchers. Yep. And each of those, uh, they were, they used to actually also receive a free ticket to fan fest. I was, I was like, that was a really cool idea. And that's a great way to lock yeah. a kid in to, to be a baseball yep. fan. Um, and yep. they, and I noticed it wasn't part of this year's package at all. And I'm and then that's when I, that's the first time I found out that it's not happening. I actually had to look it up myself. Yeah. So again, they're not advertising. I'm sure they're getting calls or whatever, but just it, it's ridiculous. And I, I think that the only way that um, the, 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 it'll reverse the trend or be back in next year is if they, if they get hit with feedback and they hit some in the pocket somehow with people no longer um, attending baseball games. And, and that's, what's probably going to happen with me and my kids this next year, unfortunately. So. No, you're, you're hundred percent right. I, I get my nieces and nephews um, 
the kids club as well as part of their Christmas gift in past years. I actually didn't do it this year. I, I switched it over to, to, well, to baseball cards, which hopefully they're not listening because um, I haven't been out there yet. <laughs> for Christmas. Yeah. But I um, <laughs> got up a bunch of baseball cards and, and uh, sets and stuff instead this year, because it was, there's just too many, too many things with the organization that are, you can't tell sort of pissing me off right now. So I, I'm, I'm not saying boycott the team or something. I'm just saying I, I stepped back from things like that this year and um, will encourage their love of baseball in other ways because um, there's other ways to do that and, and maybe in a more deserving – to people who are more deserving. But um, I will just say this, too, as a, as, a, as a collector of sports memorabilia and, you know, baseball cards and autographs and, and, and different things with, with baseball memorabilia, that – you know, I, there are, if Christian Yelich can do a signing at Waukesha Sports Cards or at, you know, one of the other big sports cards companies in, in California or Milwaukee, and he'll charge 150 bucks to sign a baseball at one of those signings. And, you know, some, some people can afford that, and that's great. And it, it doesn't price some people out of the market, but I, I'm very concerned about the people that it does price out who are just diehard fans, people whose kids want to get Christian Yelich. So Christian Yelich at the Brewers Fan Fest, you can buy an autograph ticket for players. Many of them are free. Some are $10 and the highest one is $25. And $25 that, and that money goes to charities. And that, that I think is a pretty reasonable price point for a guy who won the MVP award. You can get Euchre for that price. Um, they limit the amount of autographs that that guy is going to sign. You know, he's not there all day, but um, I'm just saying that that presented an opportunity for a kid who may not have otherwise been able to afford it either on their own or because their parents couldn't afford it to go and have an autograph souvenir from a guy like Christian. If you were willing to get there early enough and get that ticket and spend that $25, um, you know, that's a lot more palatable of an option than the 150 to $200 that, you would pay at a private sports cards show or um, store. So I just throw that out there as well. It's just another casualty of canceling an event like this. Yeah. So they've they got, I mean, it's been a rough six months to be a Brewer fan. I mean, from being in first place uh, before the July trade deadline, trading Josh Hader, then going in the off season, having uh, president of baseball operations, David Stearns step down. Then you had um, an offseason here where we're not signing any free agents at all. The only team in baseball is not signing Major League Baseball as of uh, the end of the year. And and then you have this cancellation of FanFest. I mean, what, what's happening here is out there you've got five-year-old little boy named Scott somewhere that was about to become a baseball fan that probably isn't going to be. Yep. And you also have somewhere out you there think? a 45-year-old little boy named Scott that also probably <laughs> is going to give up and not be a baseball fan anymore either, not spend his, his money on, on baseball. And the Brewers are sowing this, and, and it needs to stop. So hopefully this – Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I think we should, uh, we should definitely encourage fans, rather than boycott the team or something, I'm not saying that. I think the fans – uh, anyone who's listening to this podcast, I would certainly encourage you to at least reach out to the Brewers. And if you are concerned about some of these issues, like Craig and Scott and Chad and I are, I, I would encourage you to to reach out and, and write the team and just say, you know, exactly exactly why it's upsetting that you know certain things are happening with the team that um, that that are 
not only not only unpopular, but they're not good for the health of the franchise long term or short term. And I that that I think is something that the team needs to hear. I think they I think there's a tendency for some of these folks to live in a bit of a bubble and to ignore the fans. But I, I think that. I think it's important that they hear this voice. So um, I will certainly be doing so. I know that I know that our anonymous source, Tom Carter, who works for the team, he said that uh, you know they do take that at least somewhat serious if they do get some feedback. So yeah, that's from Tom. TC, uh, he, he he doesn't just just go with Tom Tom C. Yeah. Okay, all right, yep. So that, but uh, yeah, so. Obviously, Happy New Year to all the Brewer fans out there. I, I still yeah. feel that we, we've got a positive uh, season coming up, and hopefully, there's some uh, yeah. some move that we're, we're not foreseeing here that's going to strengthen our offense, our bullpen, and uh, possibly give us some depth of rotation, all that stuff. Maybe a couple of moves. I, I feel like by the next time we do a podcast, the Brewers will have uh, got you know got off the, the last musical chair, so to speak, and and actually um, signed a free agent, but. Uh, we'll, we'll see, and we'll, we'll be back to discuss that. And then hope, we're also hoping this offseason to possibly bring you a couple of uh, former Brewer player interviews and some of our upcoming podcasts as well. So hopefully you guys stay tuned for all that. Um, yeah. yeah. So. We'll, we'll, we'll call this one a belated festivist airing of grievances episode, Craig. I, I, I didn't want to appear so, quite so negative, but, it, you know, it's just a lot of things that have sort of been building up, I think, that um, I don't think are, are completely uh, – unusual for a lot of Brewer fans to be feeling at this point in the off season, but, but on a brighter note, um, there will be a new year that starts in a couple of days here. And, and hopefully that means brighter things for our favorite baseball team, the Milwaukee Brewers as well. And uh, continue to follow us at Brew Crew Review one on Twitter, uh, continue to send in your questions. We will get to them in on one of our future episodes, Brew Crew Review podcast with an S at gmail.com. And uh, big thanks to, to you, Craig, for, for hosting duties again here in 2022 and a lot of fun. Thanks to Chad. Thanks to Scotty. Thanks to um, all of our fans who continue to support us and listen to us over the years. Looking forward to coming back strong in 2023 and keeping our, our streak going 2004 to, to another year. All right. Happy new year, Vince. Um, and stay classy. Happy new year. <laughs> stay classy Milwaukee Brewers baseball club and go Brewers. <laughs> stay classy Wisconsin. Go Brewers. Do, 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 do.